Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So what makes a call sound good to ducks, and how do you navigate the complexities of the waterfowl call industry? Well, this is the episode to find out. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. Today, we are going to talk about what makes a call sound good to a duck and a lot of other questions on around similar topics and ideas. Now, in order to do this conversation justice, you really need somebody who is a duck hunter, who is also a call maker and a musician and is in my cell phone and there's only one human being on planet earth that checks all four of those boxes and that is riley hendrickson now for those of you that don't know riley has been on the show before he helped with some of the initial duck hunting episodes but he's done more than that he was actually the one single-handedly responsible for pushing me into the woods on my first duck hunt after not being able to find a way to do it for years and giving up on it he just kept talking to me and encouraged me and helping me find ways and think of things until I eventually repaid him with a thousand endless questions as I made my way into the woods the first couple of times. But even more than that, he's also the person single-handedly responsible for the YouTube channel, The New Hunter's Guide, because he just kept telling me for months, you got to get on YouTube, and I put him off and put him off, and here we are. So Riley, the new Hunter's Guide owes you a big thank you, and I'm so glad we're able to have you on the show today. How are you doing, sir? George, man, thank you so much for that intro. I think I'm going to have to start charging for brain trust. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get a royalty coming uh, your way from something. Don't uh, you worry about man, it. Man, uh, I'm doing good up here in Indiana, man. Um yeah, well, I'm just sitting here, and uh, crow, I wasn't able to get involved in crow season, 
uh, this past month in Indiana because it's just a short month and a week and uh, because I was having some health issues. But uh, as of today, I'm on a uh, good road uh, getting past those issues. And yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about duck hunting. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and, and just jump off right into it here. So number one question that I've got and a lot of people have asked is what makes a call sound good to a duck? You got all kinds of calls. A lot of them sound good. They sound kind of like ducks, at least to me. But, you know, in terms of what actually makes it sound good, what do the ducks find appealing? What about that call makes it effective? I think a lot of people are scratching their heads over, and I think you can shine a little bit of light into that conversation. Yeah, you know, George, the... Um... <laughs> When you asked me that question, I, I was thinking to myself, that's such a unique question that no one is asking right now, especially in the call making industry, because people are making duck calls to sound good to what they think sounds good, and they don't even think about what sounds like to a duck anymore. So I, I won't even try to go down that rabbit hole, but, uh, you know, as far back as, um, you, I mean, there's been history on uh, the Native Americans in the U.S. used to make clumps of clay uh, to make really rough-looking decoys to try to get ducks in. I mean, the duck call's been around, I think it was the late 1800s. Uh, they were starting to make these calls that were called tongue biters and lip pinchers because they had the reed hanging out. And I mean... Since uh, since uh, the market hunting days and all those years back then, uh, men have been trying to harvest ducks and, you know, trying to figure out the next best way of trying to get them into the decoys. Um, may they be cork, wood, or however the decoys are made. And, um, you know, since since the late 1800s, people have been making these calls to try to get them get their attention and i mean you're talking about and different regions of the country are you have calls that are massive four to five inches long with metal reeds down in real foot and you've got uh calls out of arkansas and calls out of louisiana there are different styles um and all they were made was to try to fool a duck and to sound good to a duck and that was the whole intention was for hunting and now you've got all these beautiful calls that are $150 that are all looks. Um, and we have kind of lost that uh, pursuit of trying to make something that sounds good to a duck. Um, so right, so what sounds good to a duck is what, what a duck sounds like. And as a call maker um, and a duck hunter, you're trying to reproduce that natural sound. Now, guys, I should also let you know that Riley also has his own podcast, Rilo's Quack Chat, and his own call-making business, Rilo Game Calls. And so he's been doing this for, for a day or two or, or a year or two or longer than that, half a lifetime. And he's thoroughly invested in this subject, has talked to some of the most well-known call manufacturers in the world and uh riley one of the things that you said that just as you were talking stuck in my mind is you know i remember hearing phil robertson tell the story 
about how when he was first getting started in making duck calls, he'd go to the duck calling competitions and hear all these people winning duck calling competitions. And he sat back and he said, you know what? They don't sound like ducks. They're amazing. They're making all these amazing sounds and, you know, they're impressive musicians on, on those little calls, but they're not sounding like ducks. And he set out then to start making his own calls that sounded like an actual duck did. And that was at that sort of junction in history, a little bit revolutionary, uh, at least as far as I understand it. But I kind of feel like we're coming around to a similar a similar sort of thing that's going on today that duck calls are maybe so over-commercialized that the, the nuance there of, all right, is it actually sounding like a duck? Does it actually you know, do the job it's supposed to do, that might be being lost or forgotten as people just sort of get drowned out by marketing. What do you think? You know, it's it's very funny. The The duck call has is the same design it's been since the 1800s. And for those, I mean, the new hunters that are listening, I'll give you a little synopsis of how a duck call functions. You have your bottom and your barrel, and inside of that may it be uh, a different style of call, Louisiana style or an Arkansas style or a real foot, whatever style it is, there's a tone board that the maker shapes to their certain specifications. So when that air is blown into the barrel, it will vibrate that reed um, on top of that tone board and it'll produce a quack and a hail call and a feed chuckle and all things like that. But, um, you know, we, we have focused... You can't, I mean, you can't reinvent the wheel. I mean, mean, a duck call is a duck call. So, I mean, you'll see a lot of these guys that say, my call doesn't stick, or my call doesn't do this, or my call can do this air presentation. And when you get right down to it, it's roughly the same design as it's been since 1905 when the first official patent came through. And you know, what's kind of funny about that is I've been in the woods that time and sat back and gone, man, that is just an absolute terrible hunter over there calling. Like, would they just stop? It is the worst duck call I have ever heard. Almost, I'm getting ready to get up and walk over there and be like, dude, you would have better odds if you would just be quiet. And then a bunch of ducks swim out and they're the ones making the noise. And I'm like, are you serious? These are real ducks. That's that's coming out of real ducks. And here we are trying to, you know, engineer stuff with all these different materials. And it's just like, "Hmm, maybe we're overthinking this a little bit. Yeah, the we are. We definitely are. Because and what's very strange is some ducks are regional. um, And I, I mean, like. For instance, in Washington State, I had a bunch of people from Washington State order my calls that are Louisiana tone boards. And I have noticed that since I went to making a Louisiana tone board that is different, it's it's a different style. It's one of the different styles of duck calls. I personally make it because it would be easier for a new hunter um, or a novice hunter to use, duck hunter use. Um, and I've noticed that these calls are going to different states that I would never imagine, like Washington State. Why would they want a Louisiana duck call um, that is made out of Indiana, funny enough? Uh, but they, uh, they, they wanted it because it produces a sound that is not that a lot of the guys over there aren't using. 
So, I mean, you'll get duck hunters that want to use something that's going to sound a little different, um, and that plays into that a little bit. Gotcha. So you talk there about the Louisiana tone board. You know, how many different kinds of, of tone boards, generally speaking, are there? And, you know, if somebody's looking for a duck call and they don't know what they're doing, they don't know what they're looking for, um, you know, what should they keep in mind in terms of the tone board? When it comes to a duck call, um, and I was I was like this for a long time, I thought a duck call was a duck call, okay? So a duck commander duck calls, a duck commander or a, a other brands or their own, you know? But I didn't realize that these different brands use different styles of tone board. And uh, I mean, you have the Louisiana tone board that's really good for beginners and novice. Um, you've got the Catahoula, which is a duck commander style where the the Louisiana has a wedge and a tone board in your call. And then your Catahoula is the wedge is turned around um, and it's wedged in that style and that's what phil robertson kind of got popular with the duck commander calls was the catahoulas um and then you have arkansas's beloved j frame that has a little cork wedge in there they all do different things but the j frame is kind of like the corvette it can handle all the notes and that's what they use for competitions um and then you have the the last one is the real foot call, which is the old big calls with metal reeds that sound just absolutely awesome and traditional, uh, but they're hard to blow. Um, and they all have their specifications. And, you know, if you're wanting to get a call, I would listen to sound files and decide, do I just want to quack? Do I want to sound like a duck or do I eventually want to do some meat calling competitions or stuff like that because a j-frame would be better for that so they're all different tools and some duck hunters use all of those tools they'll have all every one of those tone bird boards on their lanyard so then the for someone trying to get their first call and get into the sport you think the louisiana tone board is probably the the simplest place to start or catahoula okay yeah. and then Great. So what about reeds? There's all this talk about single reed, double reed, triple reed. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's some nuances of sound and like everything else, probably some nuances of difficulty. Uh, how do we read that? No pun intended. <laughs> that was so awesome. No, the uh, w when it comes to reeds, you have your single reed, your double reed and your triple reed. Um, the two companies really well-known right now, the big box store companies that have triple reads are uh, SureShot and Duck Commander. And um, really the single read is, that was the first one. That's what everyone used. Um, I mean, it's tried and true. It, it's You have to put a lot of air into it. I mean, it, there's a learning curve with it. Now, a duck call with... Tri um, with uh, training wheels in, on it, I would say would be your double read uh, because, I mean, you blow into it and it's a natural quack. And, um, you know, a lot of guys starting out, they start with double reads. And I started with a double read. I still love the sound of a double read. Um, and, and I also use a single read. And the triple read, I actually have the triple read from Duck Commander. Uh, that's a poly call, the little green, dark green poly call. And... Uh, what is so unique about that call is it actually, the tone changes and gets richer every season you use it. It's the most bizarre thing. Oh, that's interesting. I have that exact same call also. Somebody got me one. 
and uh, I've, I'll have to I'll have to keep an ear on that. I've not never thought about such a thing. I would imagine maybe the wood calls mm-hmm. would change a little over time, but I wouldn't think that uh, something like that does. And speaking of that, this episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So then you got wood calls, you got polymer calls, you got acrylic calls, you probably have calls made out of bone and dozen other different My things. Micarta. You know, that too, whatever that uh-huh. is. And so what a, what do these different materials give you? What are the benefits of them and, and what should people look for? So when you go, so a poly call is just a molded call out of a mold um, that they get the molds from China or they make them here. And they just, all day long, it's just cookie cutter. They pour the plastic in, the plastic resin, it hardens. They put one piece into the other, it's ready to go. Um, Honestly, I mean, uh, like, I'm going to name drop a little bit here because the new hunters may be going to a big box store and looking for some of these calls. So you're, I mean, you're going to, if you go into a store, you're going to see a lot of poly calls because that's kind of like the starter call. And so you're going to see some Haydells, you're going to see Duck Commanders, and all of those mostly are poly, unless you um, unless there's a couple of wooden ones in there that are on that they just do the same thing with, but with a CNC machine that just routers it out. Um, but those are a great point to start with on duck calls, and then you get your woods and your acrylics and your micartas. Um, and the, the acrylic is loud. I mean, acrylic calls are loud. They, I've got a couple of them from other duck call makers. Um, and I mean, they're loud and they're crisp. And then if you want kind of a traditional feel, um, a, a wood call is very traditional. It has a mellow tone. If you use a harder wood, like I make some calls out of hickory or hedge, they have a really sharp sound. So, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's kind of like shopping for a car. You may get into a Ford Taurus or a Ford Escape or a Chevy, whatever, but it's, you'll have a couple calls in your, on your lanyard that you say these are good calls until you finally find the one that you're like, I like acrylic and I like double read. Gotcha. So then, you know, you've got some of these calls come in at really high price points. Um, you know, what do you get for a $150 call versus a $30 call? For $150, um, that is the price that that person has put their time at. How how long it takes them to make it, it it'll probably have inlays, um, probably is made out of exotics for $150. I mean, 
just recently I saw a call that was for sale for $185, almost $200. And I have seen $200, $250 calls. Um, and then depends on the name of the person. If you have a certain name, I'm not, uh, I won't name drop everyone, but if you have a certain name in the industry, no, I, I mean that the call making industry crosses over to the hunting industry because there are certain names people know. Um, people buy their calls for 250 and then turn around and sell them the next day for $500 just because of the name that's attached to that call and the reputation. Um, so $150 call that is just the a custom call maker is attaching how much their time is worth. And so as far as a $30 call, I've seen custom calls go from $30 to $150. So I mean, the $30 call may be just a basic wood, uh, a cherry, a poplar, a walnut, whatever. And then the $150 may be your inlaid paduke with zebra wood and purple heart that costs way much more money because of the price of the lumber. So. So does the more expensive call sound more like a no? <laughs> they all sound like it's when you get to that price, you know, you and some call makers will make a call that is designed for competitions or they'll sound like a duck. Right. So um, it's it's that fine line. Um, and, you know, it's it's just. Just the person's preference. You know, one guy may like it high and tinny. One guy may like making a call that's low and gravelly. So when you're watching call, if you get on, look up YouTube, you'll find call makers on there or people or big box stores. Listen to what you like and then go from there for sure. Gotcha. So then you've got those different calls. You got the different price points. You, you got all the different factors and facets and variables and decorations and stuff that goes into it. What about call maintenance? What kind of maintenance should you, should you have to do a call do to a call on a, a daily basis or a, a, an annual basis? So it's, it's pretty easy for an acrylic. There's no maintenance, right? On a poly, no maintenance. Um, now it depends on how the reeds are wedged in there maybe uh once every two years now duck commander calls are sealed off like the duck picker and the triple thread are sealed off to where you cannot take the reeds out so when it just when it breaks it's done um but there are some calls that you can pull the reeds out and about every two years you should kind of replace your reeds um and there's different youtube videos that you can watch on replacing your reeds in your duck call and how you can just buy reed material and just save your old reeds and just use those as a pattern to cut your new reeds out and dog ear them where they should be. Um, but uh, as far as wooden calls, um, as soon as you're done for the year, because they're either, uh, they have oil on them somewhere. So whenever that moisture from the hunting season hit is sitting there, if you leave your, insert of your barrel in your duck call it could swell shut and you'll never get that out so after the hunting season when you store them take your barrel and your insert of your duck call apart and just let them sit in the a cabinet somewhere 
Um, and then before season, maybe apply just a little bit of oil to your tone board. Gotcha. And then, you know, during the day while you're hunting, should you have to do anything to a call? Because I'll tell you, one of my favorite things about your calls is that they just work. Every time I pick one up, it just works. I've got several other brands that I've used and even some I still take out with me because they sound good. But after you know an hour or two or too many blows or I don't know, they get gunked up, they get wet, they stop working. I got to take them apart, dry them, clean them. And I'm like, this probably is not the way this is supposed to be going. But I don't know enough about it to know if that's normal or not. So whenever is, is your call locking up, are the reeds locking up whenever you're calling on them? Uh, probably. I blow and then little to nothing comes out. Okay, so whenever that what's happening is moisture is accumulating uh, in your call in between your reeds or under your reed if you have a single, uh, single reed. So all you have to do in that situation is turn the call around and blow it through the back of the call, just blow gently and it should push that moisture out of the reeds um, and you should be good to go. Gotcha. And so what do you do with your call so that that never happens? Um, I have been known to take a little WD-40 and put it under the uh, tone board, uh, on the front of the tone board because water is a displacer or WD-40 displaces water. Oh, fascinating. Well, I was just wondering, you know, does that do anything to, to the material or you got to clean that up after or anything like that? You would maybe want to hit it with just a little, if it's wooden, you may want to hit it with some oil. Um, if I remember correctly, you have uh, the field, Rilo field call, which is, I may be wrong. I think you have that. And then you have a Rilo um, working man. So, I mean, the Rilo Working Man has an acrylic tone board, so there's not a lot of maintenance there. Uh, but with the field call, you would have to just, it's made out of cedar. The tone board is made out of cedar on that. So cedar is naturally just a, I mean, they found cedar tone board duck calls that are over 100 years old and they haven't cracked. I mean, you can douse those in water and they'll be fine. Wow. Yeah. Cedar is some amazing stuff. That's for sure. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the calls that you make and, and how you go about it, how you do it, you know, what you do differently and, and what you do to make them sound like a duck and, you know, the different lines and approaches and what you got going on there. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, what, what I do is I, um, because I have been around so many uh, sawmills. I started as a sawmill worker uh, when I was 18, and I've been in the timber industry since I was 18 years old. And I mean, I'm almost I'm going on 34. So, I mean, I've made a lot of contacts. And one thing that I noticed is, you know, they would cut off a board and it's useless because it's only eight inches long instead of a foot or two foot. Well, I realized once I started making duck calls that I could vital, I could take that waste and turn it into a product. I've been making um, duck calls for, I don't know, maybe four or five years now. When I started that process, I mean, I've been in the timber industry since I was 18 and I noticed that um, 
whenever they would cut off a board, there would be some scrap, and it's not really long enough to use it for anything. But once I started making duck calls, I realized that that scrap was thick enough and long enough to make duck calls out of. So that's that's when that journey started to happen. And whenever people are like, why are your prices so low when why is your price 30 when so-and-so is 70s? It, it's because I have all these connections and I'm able to repurpose that wood um, into duck calls now. So. so you were just out there doing your job, minding your own business, and then you see this random wood that they're just throwing away and you're like, hey, what are the two things that go into making a duck call? The cost of wood and the cost of time. And then boom, you've got this resource right in front of you and instant business model. Yeah. Yeah. And what's what's crazy is um, now uh, last year there was such a boom of portable sawmills show up. I mean, within five uh, five miles, I bet there's 30 different people uh, with portable mills just everywhere, just cutting up logs everywhere. Um, so I was able to tap into that as well. And uh, so, I mean, whenever you buy a duck call for me, that is local, my local timber from my area. And I've even split wood before just to get blanks to make duck calls. So, I mean, um, you're taking the you know there's history to that call there's the grain of the call that's why the grain of the wood that's you know that's why i love making wooden duck calls and i'm not really a big fan of acrylic because the history there i mean it's gone through so many people's hands before uh it's shaped into a duck call and put into your hands as an order or someone buys it for you as a gift i mean there's history there yeah that's awesome with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I think your your big call right now that you've been pouring a lot of time into and cranking out is the field call, right? Um, yeah, I've I've been working on the field calls. It uh, the field call, the field elite, um, and then this year I actually came out with a teal call for uh, uh, early season blue wing and green wing teal hunting, um, and then on top of that, it's like how how much more busy can I be? Um, I've been working on a goose flute and uh, then coming up very soon, I've been announcing it, but when I got sick, I had to postpone it. But uh, I developed a new tone board uh, called the Louisiana Hammerhead, and we're we're going to be releasing that very, very soon. So that'll be uh, just a different product, have a different option on there. 
awesome. So, I mean, I've got one of the worky man calls. Called in my first duck ever with it. Got one of your field calls, which I can honestly say is my favorite call. I love the sound. I love it's just so easy to make duck noises. You almost can't mess up, especially after I've heard real ducks. And I'm like, oh, wow, they're terrible at making duck sounds. (laughs) You know, it's just like, oh, wow, this is unbelievable. So what do you do with the field call? Tell me a little bit. Tell everybody a little bit about it and you know, how, how do you make those? And, you know, what's the special, the, the, the Rilo sauce that's going into those? So the uh, Rilo field call is a, it is just a basic throw around call. I mean, that, that call is made out of um, anywhere from poplar to hickory. Uh, the bottoms are usually cherry. Cherry has a really nice, um, uh, uh, it's kind of a tone wood. I've seen cherry guitars before. Um, so, I mean, it gives you a little tone out of there. And of course I use cedar for the tone boards for those. Um, and then if you buy a, a, uh, a, a field elite, that's more of a walnut with a brass band. It looks pretty and like a traditional call. Um, but yeah, the, these calls are made to use and throw around in the field and, uh, um, yeah, they, we, we've, uh, had last year, um, when I came out with the double reed field, man, we had so many people from just everywhere, um, getting those and sending me pictures of ducks. And I mean, it was, it was just really something because the, the field call is actually easier to make. It's a, it's a, I call it a cookie cutter call because I can make them the exact same every single time and I can kick out about 10 at a time. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're a really good call. And, and I mean, like I said, it's got, it's made out of wood and that's, um, you know, that's pretty important to me because of my just background as a, a sawmill worker. And, you know, like my favorite thing is it just works every single yeah. time you blow the call, the call works. I never have to worry when I pick up that call, is a duck sound going to come out the other end? Or am I going to have to scramble to find another call? And, uh, you know, durable means a lot. I think a lot of people don't realize until they've been in the field a, a season or two, just how much of a beating your gear can take. Like I've always been someone that you know likes to take real good care of their stuff. And, you know, I used to clean my gun every time I used it and, you know, just, just real perfectionist about everything. And I don't know what it is about continually getting out in the woods at three and four in the morning time after time. And, you know, by the time you're, you're settling into your second or third build here by 10 o'clock, uh, you know, you just walk into sticks and puncture your waders, your gun falls oh over, you're like, oh, whatever, you just pick it up, you don't take mm-hmm. it apart or clean it, you just dump the water out, mm-hmm. keep hunting, you know, your, your your calls fall into the mud, you just wipe them off on your shirt and keep going like nothing happened, your shells fall in the water, you just put them in your pocket to dry out, you just, you reach this point where... You know, you have a new normal in terms of what you're willing to accept from wear and tear and, you know, your stuff gets scratched up. It's just, you know, I don't know what it is. Duck brain. You you just lose some of your 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 higher order functions there because you've been in the out in the elements for so long. But it really makes a difference when you grab your stuff and it just works and 
you got all this expensive stuff that's super duper, but it doesn't work every time. And you're like, you know, what's going on here? And so big fan of your calls because they sound great. They're easy to blow and they just work every time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think Phil Robertson coined the phrase when someone asked him why he shot Benelli shotguns. He said, because they go boom, boom, boom. <laughs> so, I mean, when there's that reliability in your equipment, you know, that's, and I'm not going to say that my calls are just the perfect call that isn't going to stick or whatever. I mean, when you're hunting and five below, I guarantee it's going to stick with that moisture in the call. But, um, you know, just trying my, my, the thing I was wanting to do was get a functional, good functioning quality call into hunters, new hunters, experienced hunters hands, um, that will function and sound like a duck. And, um, and I was, I switched to Louisiana, the Louisiana tone board because it sounded more ducky. And also I can kick out way more of them. So I'm able to have them readily available. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been a fun ride. I, the, um, the, and the one thing I'll say this, George, is uh, the one thing I love about call making and selling calls and shipping calls out, and I may annoy people when I do this, is whenever someone puts an order in to Rilo Game Calls, I will contact them almost immediately. Um, and I will ask them like, hey, where are you from? How long have you been duck hunting? And I'll start up a conversation. And if their call is on back order and it's not finished. I'll send them pictures of the call being made. Or I also go live on Facebook. Sometimes I'll do, uh, I'll make the duck call live so you can watch me make it. Uh, those kind of have to be scheduled usually. But uh, man, my favorite thing about duck call making is really interacting with the customers and becoming good friends with them. And I'll tell you what, the best people that have, uh, Ordered calls from me are the new Hunter's Guide uh, listeners. Let me tell you, when I see that um, the code for the discount come through, like I know instantly that these people are going to be great to work with. And if I contact them, they'll they'll contact me back and we'll talk about duck hunting. And I mean, um, the new Hunter's Guide customers, man, I, I mean... You, your listeners are really good people. Love to hear that. And I can tell you this from experience. I've taken your calls out and I have I went out one morning. It was eight degrees. I mean, it was so cold. Like your waders just freeze into the shape that they're in while you're wearing them. And I mean, we're out there. Daylight's coming. I took a guy with me. It was his first duck hunt Ever. He had never gone duck hunting. We'd been talking about it for a while. That was the morning. And like, so you got all your stuff. You got all your licenses. We're sitting in the blind, right? We've built the blind. We're sitting there in the dark. And he's like, oh no, the website was down. I couldn't order it yesterday. So he's on his phone five minutes before legal shooting light. It's eight degrees. Your fingers are freezing off of your hand. And he's online putting in and buying his his license, his duck stamp, and his migratory game bird permit right there. Gets the the email. Here's your temporary license that'll you know is good for so many days. He puts his phone away. He says, "Okay, I got it." 
two minutes left legal shooting light. At legal shooting light, I lift up my field call, blew just a just a couple of quacks. I mean, 30 seconds later, two ducks just come out of the dark mist, out of nowhere, fly right in, boom, we've got two ducks, he's had, he leaves with a duck, I leave with a duck, he's had his license for, you know, two and a half minutes, and uh, that call never froze up all that day. Some of the acrylic ones froze up, in fact, I've got a theory that the wood is maybe a little better insulator and is maybe less prone to freezing. Yeah, that very well could be because, I mean, poly and acrylic, they get cold, man. And, um, yeah, you may be right on with the wood being more insulated. Um, yeah. The, now, what, one thing I'm going to bring up um, is, George, is that uh, last year you did – I've been hunting. I think this is going to be my 10th season. And – Last year, I'm pretty sure it was your second season, and you shot one of my bucket list birds and was talking about it so nonchalantly, like it was an everyday thing. And I just want to say I'm happy for you, but you shooting a black duck like that is crazy, man. It put a smile on my face when I heard that. Well, you know, I think we just may have more of them up here. You've got ducks down there that don't even exist in our part of the country. Like, I have never seen or heard of a teal until I got on YouTube and watched other people hunting them. And I'm like, we we just don't have those. I mean, every now and then one may fly over and land somewhere, but I've never seen one in my life before I started watching YouTube. So you just got different ducks in different parts of the country, I think, with a little more prevalence. Oh yeah, man. And just, just wait the, the day you see a teal come into your spread in Pennsylvania. Um, if that day ever happens where you see a teal, uh, it will just be a flash. Like they are that fast. They just flash by like jets. They're called the little jets because I mean, they just, they're in and out before you can even think about aiming yeah and i hope that doesn't happen because i'm liable to try to shoot it and and uh <laughs> that's not on the menu you'd be in big trouble if you shot the only teal in pennsylvania oh yeah it's and you know listening uh what episode was it i've, I've listened to all the episodes even though i'll never go elk hunting <laughs> well for you know but uh you know it's what episode was it? Um, you Were you using an inflatable kayak? Oh, yeah, yeah. Inflatable rowboat. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Got an inflatable rowboat. Then I had to go to the Army Surplus store to find something big enough that I could pack it in on my back. So when we were in water that was too deep to wade and didn't have a duck, there was some sort of plan B in order to get out there and retrieve birds. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are you able to have a dog yet? I personally, where I'm at, am not able to have one. Um, there ah. is a couple guys that I hunt with. They've got dogs, so that always makes it easier. 
when you're out with them. But we gotta be gotta be ingenuitive. We gotta use what we can in order to figure out what to do. So I got my inflatable rowboat, and of course I had to get that registered and get a boat stamp on it and the launch permit and pay my ten dollars every two years to be able to use it. But uh, as ridiculous as that is, we we got one and I'm able to blow it up in about two minutes flat. So as long as the water is not moving <laughs> too quick, but you can row it pretty fast. So it works okay. It's it's not ideal, but uh, it's way better than not being able to recover ducks or just what it would be is not being able to hunt certain spots. Oh man, this this thing that we do is an addiction like no no other, George. <laughs> when uh, you're you when you uh, shoot your first duck and then ten years later you're sitting here talking to your friend that has a podcast about ducks and then you have a podcast about duck calls and you've got three Labradors sitting outside looking at you like, Hey, come train us again. Or you've, you're making duck calls. I mean, it's a slippery slope and it, it's a fun time. You, I mean, people, anyone that's listening to this, I highly suggest um, if you keep saying, Oh, maybe next year, maybe next year, you need to look at your seasons and uh, at least get out one time and try it. it. It's, it's awesome. Oh yeah, absolutely. And of course we got, I don't know, 20 or 30 episodes that can help you get into that if this is the first one that you found. And, um, you know, if you've listened this far, chances are you have an interest in duck calls. So you definitely want to check out Riley's podcast. I believe it's called Rilo's Quack Chat. Tell us a little bit about it. So on Rilo's Quack Chat, uh, I try to do it every week, Um, sometimes every other week, but I will have a guest call into my studio. And they are, they could be a small shop duck call maker. And what, what that is, is um, there is a story about the person behind the duck calls. I mean, there, you know, what's sad is you don't hear these stories until the old duck call maker has passed away. And then people tell those stories. And a lot of famous, well-known duck hunters and duck call makers have passed away in the last 10 years. And we'll never be able to hear their stories about who taught them, how they started, what what got them into duck hunting, what got them into call making, like what are their experiences. And so some of these legends that passed away in the last 10 years, we'll never be able to hear those stories. Um, but so Rilo's Quack Chat, I'll, I'll get a small shop guy, or I mean, even recently, Rod Haydale of Haydale Game Calls, a big company came on and talked about his, the history and how his dad uh, developed the DR-85, which is, I would say, a legendary duck call in the community. A lot of people use it. Um, so it's just getting the story behind the duck calls because, I mean, there's, like I said, there's just so much history with duck hunting. I mean, it's, I mean, when you get into duck hunting, you have decoy makers, dog trainers, duck call makers, duck call competitions, decoy making competitions. I mean, you you can do something 365 days a year um, to keep involved. I mean, you could work with your dog or make a decoy or a duck call. So, I mean, the the season ends, but the community doesn't. That is a beautiful thing right there. I love the year-round pursuit, that all year round you can be engaged, planning, practicing, thinking, um, you know, testing your stuff, getting ready for the next season. Of course, you don't need to spend 40 hours a week doing it, but 
you can always be engaged. You can always be talking to people about something. Um, that's just one of the, that's one of the great things about waterfowl hunting is one, you've got that community and it spans such a long part of the year that you can really enjoy it and take your time and get out there. And, you know, you, you can hunt in some States from September to February, some even probably more than that. And if you travel, you can probably extend that season more still. So there's a lot to it. And I just want to, uh, uh, Riley, I totally forgot about it till you brought it up, but we do have a code NHGCAST for Rilo Game Calls that can get you guys a 10% off discount on any any of the calls that are there. You can head to the website, newhuntersguide.com, check out the show notes. I'll put the code there, put a link there. And uh, I literally had to look it up while we were talking. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that episode. And so I found that so you guys can can save a little bit there and Riley will, get, Riley will give you the royal treatment right off the bat. But before we go, Riley, any final thoughts, ideas, things you wanted to share or just speaking to people today? Yeah, you know, when when you get into hunting, and I won't even say this about duck hunting. Um, I, this is duck hunting and all other types of hunting included. Um, you know, you can, they've done studies on this and there are, I think it's four or five stages of a hunter. Um, and it's the, I, I get them out of order all the time, but there's a point where it's all about getting your limit or it's the point about, um, you know, the technique, you know, it's all about how you set up your decoys or how you get up into the stand and how you prep for a deer hunt or a duck hunt. Um, but you know, you, you grow out of that eventually. And I'm at the point now where duck hunting, what's really cool about is we're hunting the the experience because um, I mean there are many hunts that I've just loved and just fallen just really enjoyed that hunt and no birds were shot but man you you had great conversations in the blind um, and you know the pursuing the experience. My wife asked me I think it was a couple months ago like what were my three dream hunts to go on um, and I I named. And none of them are good for duck hunting. Honestly, they aren't good places, but it was the people I told her. I was like, I would like to go down with Danny and Richard in Louisiana. I'd like to go hunt with George Kanitas one time in Pennsylvania. Um, so, I mean, if you're getting into hunting, just I know it's fun to get the limits. It's fun to, you know, the technique. It's, it's fun to do all those things, but take time to enjoy the experience and uh um get out in the woods i mean that's the best thing i can tell you and when you buy a wooden duck call i mean there's history there there's any duck call and i'm going to say this before we close i use calls from other call makers i use plastic calls george you know what the best duck call in the world is you know what the best call is what is it the call that you get from a relative or you pass down to a relative or to a new duck hunter. Mm. That is the best call. Plastic, acrylic wood. The call that you spend your time in the duck blind with that has all those stories that either you, that call passed from one hand to yours or you're passing that call to someone else. Um, that's the best call in the world. And it doesn't have to be any brand. It's the call that you spend all those hours 
And that called a scene, a thousand pieces of honey bun get lodged underneath the reeds. Um, I mean, that's the best call. And all I can say and finish up here is chase the experience. May it be duck hunting, deer hunting, whatever, and uh, get out in the woods. Amen to that. Absolutely. I often say one of my favorite things about waterfowl hunting, especially, is that it's a team sport. It's something that is almost always better to do with someone else, with a couple other people. You know, you can do it by yourself. You can get out and, and hunt shallow streams and jump hunt and things like that. And maybe, maybe that's a fair way to get out and get started without having to buy much gear. But I feel like one of the best parts about it is it's a team sport you're going out with other people. You're building relationships, building memories, having fun. You know, even if nothing's happening, you're never bored. It's it's just a great pursuit. And there's so many ways and places and tactics and strategies. And, you know, the call is just one of those beautiful pieces of it. And, you know, I'm a gear guy. I like gear. Gear's fun for me. I enjoy it. And, you know, anytime I have a piece of gear that just works good and does the job and you use it and you use it and it works, it just... You know, you pull it out. You just even though it's three months before the season, you pull that that call out. You pull out that piece of gear, and it just it has an effect on you. You just feel good about it. You're like, yeah, can't wait for what's gonna happen. Can't wait for the next season. And everything that happened last season comes pouring back. All the memories, all the thoughts, all the all the good times, everything that you learned, and the people that you hunted with. So it's a beautiful thing, guys. Make sure that you get out there, that you spend time out there. It's huge. Uh, but we better get going here. We're running out of time again. Uh, guys, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure you head to the website, get that code, get the show notes and lots of other episodes. Until next time, God bless you and go get them in the woods. Yeah.